Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. It is Fan Friday, brought to you by Locker Room. We had our great Locker Room discussion with all of you on the Locker Room app this week. Of course, turns into our two-part, it's always two parts, uh, Locker Room Fan Friday episode. And Gavin, I think we had some pretty interesting topics to get into in this first episode. Yeah, we start off talking to our guy, Omar. Shout out to him. Comes on every week. Always always makes great points. A, a podcast host-level talent in his own right and his analysis. Um, so he gets into just the, the, the feeling around being in, in the playoffs. And and I, I ended up talking a little bit about like what the grind of this season will do to the Knicks in the postseason, whether it'll be a positive or a negative for them. And then we're joined by Dean all the way from Melbourne, Australia, has been a Knicks fan since the early 90s. So cool to get to talk to him. And we, we, we get into some Alfred Payton talk and what his place in the rotation would be like if he didn't start, what the rotation would look like in a holistic sense if he was not a starter. So Alex, we're basically just playing out our greatest fantasy as Knicks fans. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room and was, as it turns out, recorded on Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app and join Gavin and I every week. Thursdays at 5.30 has become like our go-to time, barring any crazy circumstances that makes us change it. So come by Thursdays, 5.30 p.m. on the Locker Room app to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief at Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, play-by-play man by day, podcaster by night, and this is Locked on Nick's Fan Friday, the first part of it. So if you're listening to this, there's probably a second part coming to your feed soon. But I won't hold this up any longer. Let's hop right into Locked on Nick's Fan Friday. Oh, wow. I just got I got a gem. I don't. Do the gems translate to anything? Can I buy something off locker room? I never. They never really explained the whole gem system. I don't know. I don't know how many gems I have either. But hopefully enough to you know. Can I can I convert my gems to Dogecoin? Maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say I would love if it was like an office style like Stanley Nickel like unit conversion of money where you could just make like arbitrary stretches and uh, and perhaps buy something more valuable than what you've earned. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. True, but- uh, yeah, shoot, shoot bucks to Stanley Nichols. So that was the, the conversion. <laughs> uh, anyways, Alex, what do you what do you want to start off with? I figured we'd just talk about the fact that the Knicks are in the playoffs, guaranteed. Wow, wow. Seven. still hasn't quite sunk in yet. Oh no, eight, eight. Sorry, eight long years. Wow. Yeah. What a run. As Sanjay okay. says in the chat, beautiful week indeed. I concur. And uh, we actually already have a a speaker request from Omar so we can get him up in in just a sec I'll just say real quick 
What's up, everyone? This is this is Locked On Knicks. Uh, Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw. This is going to be our Fan Friday episode for tomorrow. So if you want to come up and chat with us and be on tomorrow's episode, it'll probably be like a two-parter, if I had to guess. And we'll be publishing it right on our on our feed. So if you want to get up, feel free to just put in a speaker request and we'll call you up. We usually get to everybody at least once. And, you know, you can come up, talk for like 10, 15 minutes or whatever, and then, you know, we'll keep it moving. But we're, we'll just jump right into it because uh, I kind of just want to have this be a victory lap locker room. So we'll get Omar Youssef up pretty much in here every week with us. What's up, Omar? How you doing? Man, what a time. What, what a, a time, time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, Cody, he didn't get uh, – Quite, it was a, didn't get it quite on Christmas, but got it on Eid. So uh, happy Eid to, <laughs> to all my Muslim brothers and sisters out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, what was strange. I actually like was a little surprised at the reaction following the Lakers game, like how somber Tibbs seemed and and how down Randall was. Like they really took this loss hard, and it was like heartbreaking. I mean, we stayed up to almost two a.m. <laughs> to to watch that. Um, but I mean, three and three on that trip, we couldn't have asked for more out of them, um, especially shorthanded. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were literally talking. I, I think this is the one that got lost to technical difficulties, but we were literally talking about this like two weeks ago going into the West Coast trip on during the same, you know, show being like, oh, three and three is a huge success if they can get out of that three and three. And they very nearly got four and two out of it. So even yeah, I mean two basically and four they held was serve, like acceptable. Had to do. Yeah, yeah. And they held serve. You know, they stayed they stayed uh uh seven games above five hundred, right? That's where they're at right now and that's where they were going into the trip and that's I mean, it's got them tied with the Heat now, now half a game behind the Hawks. But, I mean, I think they did everything that they had to do. Now the real the real take care of business moment, I think, is this little homestand here where you got three games in four days all at Madison Square Garden. And then I think like a week off after. So I would not be surprised if they really go balls to the wall here during this stretch and, and uh, you know, really, really push it and try to get all three of these wins because – I'm not sure exactly how the play-in schedule goes, but I would imagine that the playoffs probably start next Saturday would be my guess. So they would uh, get at least a five-day break, it appears. Yeah, yeah. Because they're, they're not going to – usually they start the playoffs on a Saturday. Like, it's usually planned mm-hmm. that way. They want they want that first day where you can just literally flip on the TV all day and have playoffs going on, kind of like March Madness style. Um, and I, I think that's important to the league. So, yeah, I think, I think that the Knicks are really going to try their best to – to go into this homestand and like, uh, you know, at all costs, win all three of these games that they can, because I mean, if it's the difference between a home court advantage matchup against the Hawks or, you know, a six, three matchup against the bucks, I, I think that they're probably, you know, they would probably very much prefer that matchup with the Hawks, but that might just be my amateur assessment of that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, it looks like the playing tournament is from the 18th to the 21st. Our regular season ends the 16th, so just do the math. Um, so that's Tuesday through. So we're getting at least six days. I think yeah. it's the playoffs start the follow right like the following day. Um, yeah, will probably be the 
the um, the three six and the four five will probably be those those on the twenty second. Yeah, playoffs start the twenty second. They said, all right. So yeah, we would get six days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's plenty of rest. You know, I think I think they're really they're going to throw. Not that Tips hasn't been throwing caution in the wind anyway lately with like Reggie Bullock playing like. 45 minutes thanks to Burks' injury and stuff. <laughs> RJ playing like yeah. 44 minutes or whatever. RJ um, with guest in that Laker game. Yeah, yeah, guys, I was going to jump in and say, I think it, that's why Tibbs looked defeated after that Lakers game because every every time you win, it. I, I mean, obviously with how close the Heat and the Hawks are, like the Knicks probably would have had to like go into their final three games knowing that they had to play as hard as they possibly could to win those games regardless. But I, I think the idea is like, all right, we're, we're pushing the pedal down now so then we can take our break later and feel good about it. And every time you win, you get a little bit more of a cushion in that capacity. And it feels a little bit more worth it, especially now that they've separated from the Celtics. It's kind of like, all right, how, how well rested do we want to be going into the playoffs? And that's, it's a little bit of a moot point just because of that six days anyways. But I, I think that's a big element of it. And I think it's going to be interesting to see in the first round. I mean, obviously, it's going to be hard to differentiate what's playoff defense and what's guys just being exhausted from the season. Or or does it carry over in the sense that the Knicks are, are maybe more well-prepared for the rigors of the playoffs because they've been playing the whole regular season in terms of intensity, in terms of Tibbs' willingness to play Julius Randle 46 minutes if that's what's needed to win a game. I, I wonder if that translates into like being playoff-ready or, or being exhausted because right now it, it feels like the playoffs started like a week or two early for the Knicks. And I, I know because of the, the play-in scenario and the, the unusual amount of parity this year, that's kind of true throughout the NBA anyways, but it seems like particularly so for the Knicks. So I, I don't know. I'm curious what you both think about that and like whether that's an advantage for the Knicks going into the postseason or, or whether that ultimately proves to be their doom and, and Randall is just gassed from game one when the playoffs. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, Alex, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I will be hosting rooms for Locked On Knicks once a week. So yes, you, you, that's right, you, can finally join in on the conversation you listen to on here every single day. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room to watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You will have a chance to chat with me and Alex, and you might even be featured. There's no might about it. Locker Room ad copy. You will be featured, unless we lose the episode again, on Locked On Knicks through our Locker Room conversations. So be sure to join me and Alex next week, Thursday at 5.30, where the Knicks will already be qualified for the playoffs, and we'll be talking about whoever we think they're going to be playing at that point. So go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Gavin Shaw, Alex at Alex Wolf to be notified when our room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live again next week, Thursday at 530, where we'll be talking about the Knicks playoff matchup. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Knicks. See you there. Locker room, changing the way we talk sports. Well, I think the six day off is just absolutely clutch um, coming up after the season. And even if, uh, like let's say if somehow the four or five is kind of figured out in these next two games to like 
I doubt he would even ever like fully rest guys. Might he might give Randall a night, but just limit their minutes in that last game. That would be extra gravy. But six days off is like another All Star break. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think that I don't I don't know if they're at any risk of being burnt out for the playoffs because of that that long break that they've now guaranteed themselves. You know, it's not like they're it's not like they're in the Lakers situation or something where it's kind of bleak right now. It doesn't look like it's entirely likely that they're going to be able to play themselves into a non-play-in situation. Like they're just fighting for their seating now and they know that they have a huge break coming up. So I think the fact that they have been playing with like playoff like intensity, playing these short rotations and everything else should work to their advantage. I think the guys are going to be prepared uh, for that sort of game now. And they're already, I mean, the, these last two games, I think, against the against the Clippers and against the Lakers were the most playoff-like atmosphere that I've seen yet for the Knicks this season. Like, I think that these are going to be great for preparing them for for the rigors of the playoffs, for the uh, uh, for like the the intensity, for the type of officiating. Like, I actually think, other than maybe that Anthony Davis call down the stretch where they didn't call foul and then just decided to call it because he sold it enough. Uh, other than that type of call, I think, I think the Knicks are, are in pretty good shape as far as, uh, you know, knowing how games are going to be called based off that Clippers game and through a lot of that Lakers game where they kind of just let them play, let them play physical defense, which is like the Knicks calling card. Um, and, and, you know, playing tight games that aren't high scoring which is a staple of the playoffs too. You know, you don't you don't run into a ton of 138 to 131 final scores in the in the playoffs unless it hits like triple overtime. So, you know, I think all year the Knicks have been sort of sort of training for playoff style basketball with the way that they play mostly in the half court and you know run their sets that way and stuff. Obviously, they need to tighten up the late game execution a little bit, uh, but. I think by and large, like I'm not worried about burnout or anything because six days rest for this team is, is like an eternity. I mean, we saw prior to the West coast trip too, they got like three days and you know, Tibbs even it, we've seen the Tibbs already too. He's not going to be like pressing them in practice every day during those. He might have them practice a couple times, but he seems pretty in tune with like, all right, if we get time off, we're taking advantage of that. Like I'm going to straight up lock the gym. So these guys can't come in and tire themselves out during the off time and all that stuff. Um, you know, we're going to make sure that, that everybody's rested and ready to go and has fresh legs for the playoffs. So, cause certainly once the playoffs hit, <laughs> those fresh legs are going to be important. Cause I could see a lot of, uh, for potentially for, for Randall, especially if, if Tibbs doesn't really trust Obi, I could see, uh, 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 Obi not playing a ton of minutes and Randall playing a lot of, uh, 42, 43, 44 minute nights, if not more on, on certain nights. So I guess we'll see as far as that goes. Um, Obi looking better at least. Yeah. Obi does. I mean, if Obi keeps playing how he is right now, he is, <laughs> he is ready to play in the playoffs, which is a great thing. Yeah. Looking like a, like a, I've said before, bouncy Jared Jeffries, but like in the most <laughs> positive sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's, that's uh, a strangely backhanded compliment, but, but yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> two more like things and I'll get out of here. Um, yeah. One, the Spurs, I kind of feel bad for them. We're catching them, like, uh, this might be a schedule L for them. I know we're coming back first game after a long trip, but back-to-back, five games in seven nights, eighth game in, like, 12 days, 
they have like a brutal stretch to end the season and they have they finish the season on ten games in fifteen nights, which is wild. And then they go into the play and um so hopefully it's an easy one tonight. Uh, yeah, they oh yeah, go ahead, Omar. Um and the last thing's actually on RJ, which is like a little like a future projection. I know a lot's been made of his um effort against the Lakers and uh his uh kind of slump inside the arc that's kind of been masked by like how hot his three point shooting was. Um, you know, and we just saw like a recent article about Jaron Jackson, of course, uh, being rumored to the Knicks CAA ties. His dad works with the Westchester Knicks. Um, the more like, like we see RJ get more heavily involved as like Tibbs really leaned on him on this trip with Burks and IQ out. I really think that we, they need a stretch big, to fully unlock RJ. Obviously there are things RJ can work on himself, but I think really having that big in the paint is what kind of is really the main struggle that RJ has in being consistent and finishing around the rim. And if we could somehow mitigate that with a, a, a stretch five, I think that's how you really unlock him to being like a 24, 25 point score. In yeah. This no- I'm I'm in total agreement, Omar. And I mean, I think last year before he could shoot, it was an even bigger issue and an even bigger focus of mine. And I, I was constantly saying, like, look, unless they dramatically roll over the roster, how is this going to be sustainable putting no shooting around this guy who at, the, at that point, his only skill set was getting to the rim. And he just and he wasn't very good around the rim because he, he wasn't a monster athlete. He was still figuring out the craft elements of his game. Mm-hmm. He still was trying to use strength to overpower people like he did to incredible success in high school and, and really good success in college. And, and now that he's evolved that shot, it feels a little less essential. But you, you, you want to turn him into a capital S star. I think that's the next thing that's going to happen. And, and it's I mean, it's it's a big factor for Julius Randle as well. Because we've seen him as the year has gone on. I mean, fall more and more in love with that jump shot. And he's hitting it at insane rates. So it hasn't killed him and it hasn't killed the Knicks. But in the games where it stops falling, it feels like he could get to the basket a little bit more. And I think over the last two or three, we've seen him get back to that a bit and make a more concerted effort. I I think the one thing to consider when you're talking about a stretch big in the Knicks future is that someone who plays spot minutes off the bench and really elevates RJ in, in a bench lineup because you, if, if you're assuming Mitchell Robinson is your center of the future, and if you're saying, I actually, I don't know if Mitchell Robinson's our center of the future, I think I'd rather have someone, again, who can stretch the floor offensively. Can you really do that with Tibbs as your coach? Because he's, we, he's shown it time and time again. He's always going to prioritize uh, defense, or in the case of Elf, perception of, of defensive ability over <laughs> offense. So can you find one of the five to seven guys on earth that can really protect the rim and really shoot threes? And obviously there, there are different levels of that. Like even someone like, I mean, Maxi Kleba is a, a, a power forward, but he, he does it pretty well for Dallas. Um, but it's hard yeah. to find centers. I mean, obviously, like, quote unquote, we, we traded one of them who's, who's not so good at protecting <laughs> the rim anymore. But it, it, it's, those guys are almost impossible to find. So if the Knicks like, can figure it out and luck into it, I, I'm all for it. I just think Tibbs is not going to be someone who's willing to make that trade off, even if it would maybe elevate the Knicks ceiling a little bit. Though I will say the the advancement of Randall as a shooter and and seemingly having quickly as your point guard of the future mitigates the need for that a little bit because you can really play four out 
And I think PD actually mentioned it when we just had him on. Like he, he was saying a big thing for Mitch will be just developing an elbow jumper. Just so you, you get you get a, a bit of that spacing while not using your rim protection, even if you don't get the full threat of a big who can credibly space out to the arc. But but Alex, what what do you think about that? Because I, I think it's a great question. Yeah, I I so I do agree that I think getting a stretch big would be great. Um, I don't know if Triple J is my guy necessarily. Wow. I know this is – I think – all right, so here's the thing. Uh, The more – like with what I've seen of him so far, with the injury concerns, the fact that he's seven feet tall and rebounds like a six-foot-two, you know, point guard, I I get – and I I know that – the weight that this carries among Knicks fans, but I get a lot of Porzingis vibes off of him um, in the sense that I would worry about being that. So next year is the last year of his rookie contract. I would worry about being the team that has to pay him his next deal because it seems like he's probably going to want a good amount of money. Um, He's injury prone. And, you know, I think he's a good shooter for sure. uh, But, it just it gives me some worries, you know, to pay a guy like that a whole bunch of money, and you know, I especially when I would actually argue that his rim protection is maybe even a tiny bit more suspect than than Porzingis's ever was. Um, so yeah, I, I have my worries with him. Um, I I wouldn't mind getting him for not a lot, uh, which I don't think he would cost as much as Porzingis did uh, for mm-hmm. the the Mavs because he doesn't have nearly that like luster on him of like you know former all-star like the only reason that you're even able to get him was that he was just injured and blah 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 but I still I don't know if it would cost like multiple first round picks or something I I don't know if I'm on board just because I wow I don't I don't know that he's that guy that I would want to bring in I feel like you could get a replacement level shooting big off the free agent market and he wouldn't give you necessarily what JJJ could give you at his best, but could probably give you something comparable for a way lower price tag and without all that commitment to the future of giving him so much money. So that's that's kind of my thought on those rumors. It, it all just oh, wait. price basically. Oh yeah, guys, sorry. I, I was I was offline for a lot of the day. I totally missed this. Were, were there rumors that he wants to come to the Knicks or that Memphis would consider shopping him or, or what happened? Uh, yeah, Berman basically Berman. reported that yeah, that his future is unsure in uh, Memphis that he doesn't feel like he's necessarily part of their plans and that the Knicks are showing up as a potential suitor thanks to the the CAA connection and the fact that the Knicks hired his dad uh, for the Westchester Knicks. So, Oh, wow. That, that's kind of – I can't believe I, – I wonder if it's just because of how weird his whole injury situation has been where he was supposed to be back early season and then they basically redshirted him this year and they're still only playing him once every other game. It feels yeah, like, yeah. like there, it does feel like there's something a little off there, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I, I, I agree that his defense, I, and I think, I think most people who watch Memphis consistently will tell you this that his defense was a little overhyped, and and it was it was weird because coming out of college, he was supposed to be defense like the offense was a little iffy, and then all of a sudden he's a forty percent three point shooter on on high volume in a pretty unprecedented way. But I'm I'm, I'm with you, Omar. I would. I, I would bank on him figuring out defensively because most young bigs are, are pretty bad on that end because the shooting is is special. Like they're they're just I, like outside of Cat, there's not really another mm-hmm. big who who shoots like that. Maybe, maybe I'm forgetting someone obvious, but not 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 a, not another center, anyways, who really shoots like that. And the athleticism is just it's top notch. I mean, he's younger than quickly. 
Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's so young. He's younger than Knox. Um, uh, I, I see like, that's what, when we talked about, like trying to find a guy that maybe you get, who's a, not at peak value, like Sexton, how we discussed. And that's a path like, all right, that's where the upside is. If like, maybe we could take the team to the next level. If this guy truly makes a leap um, and figures it all out. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm high. I think that's something that like, if we're talking about like late first round picks, I mean, it's worth it. Like if it, even if it was both of the picks this year, I mean, are we really going to find anything better than Jaron Jackson? Who's, going to be 22 years old next season um and i would i would just want to see like how tibbs uses him as a stretch five next to randall um they they were using him a lot as like a four um and i would just like to see like i just think there's there's something there that we can tap into um that's pretty special and i I actually don't really see the durability concern as much because he he did the knee surgery for his meniscus that actually repaired the meniscus rather than just clip it like uh, arthroscopically. So that's actually better for his long-term health um, rather than just cleaning it out and then being left with only like 86% of your meniscus. Um, so I wouldn't be too concerned. I wouldn't be more con- uh, like any more concerned about that than let's say Mitch long-term with because big men and feet. Uh, yeah. I think that's something that would be, worth looking in terms of building the team and what, how we could get RJ to that next step. Uh, well, that's certainly, it. yeah, certainly something Thanks, we're keeping guys. an eye on. Um, yeah, I'm going to send you down Omar. Cause we got a, a number of people waiting in the, the queue here, but uh, do you have anything you want to, you want to promote before you get off here? No, sir. Thanks again, right. guys. Cool. Thanks. Thanks man. Thanks for coming up as always. You're the man. See you, man. We're going to move up. Next, we have Dean Bushell coming up here. What's up, Dean? Uh, How you doing? Hey, what's up, Dean? Yeah, good day there. Uh, it's good morning from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, oh, 8 wow. a.m. Oh, oh, man, the, awesome. Um, we got an international caller. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really good. Thank you. I just wanted to say uh, a couple of things and then had a question about about Peyton. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks so much for the content that you provide um, platforms like this, you know, using new technologies allows our international um, viewers and listeners like me, you know, feel really close to, to what's happening on the ground in, in New York City um, and, and be part of the culture um, and, yeah, really get a good understanding of, uh, of what's happening. And I love being able to, uh, to listen to you guys, you know, nearly every day um to good to get a really good sense of, of what's going on so thank you and keep up the great work oh, thank you the to... oh, thanks a lot dean i, I know thank i you think for saying I, so. yeah i think i think we dm'd on on twitter one time recently and i i was, I was telling the same thing i mean I, i've said it before i think i think it's so cool when when people overseas are interested in listening like honestly like i kind of i kind of get goosebumps like it feels i i don't know it feels it feels like really special that someone like literally thousands of miles away is, is interested in what we're saying so so we appreciate it but what do you what do you want to talk about today yeah, I just want to say one more quick thing. Um, you know, um, this season and 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 probably the last season, I've I've really been getting back into the Knicks. I've um, I've been a fan since the early to mid nineties. I'm, I'm a forty year old. Um, I, I started following the Knicks probably um, in ninety two or thereabouts. Um, my first year of high school. Um, so yeah, it really brings back um, great memories of of those good times and. 
I was lucky enough to, I've been to America quite a few times, but uh, went to New York in the mid to late 90s and um, stayed across the road, which was a great pick for the hotel, for the family. Um, but uh, unfortunately, it was just started. So um, I only got to do a tour of an empty, empty um, MSG, but it was still one of my highlights of, uh, of my overseas trips. Um, so yeah, bringing back so many memories at the moment. And, uh, yeah, so, again, thank you. Um, my question um, is about Peyton. I, I'll i be really keen to, to see um, the team mix it up in the playoffs and probably get um, Rose to start. Um, but how, how are we going to um, divvy up those those minutes for the for the rest of the game? I mean, Peyton's, what, he was minus eight, I think, overall against the Lakers, um, coming out with the first unit. I'm really worried if he's out there with a second unit. It could be minus 20 or something. So, um, yeah, would you, would you prefer to see him situational um, and not come out at all and only if required towards the end? Um, how do you see those minutes um, divvying up if, if Peyton doesn't start? Yeah, I think we've we, we've gone over it a, a bunch of times. I, I, would, I would still be pretty surprised if to start a series, Tibbs benched him. I could see it coming as like a – Worst case scenario, like, all right, time to pull the plug and, and put D. Rose in. Kind of like I compared it to what the Spurs did with Manor Ginobili when they were down in series where they had a closeout game where all of a sudden, like, he, he was coming off the bench the whole time and then he just says, like, screw it, we got we to start with the best five out there. And, and that, would, that would sort of be their trump card. The Warriors would do it with their death lineup and starting their death lineup in big games or elimination games. It, it feels like Tibbs is of a similar mentality where, to me, it, it's – it's this weird thing where, like, almost like maybe he just needs to talk to a good therapist. But it feels like it, it's like it's like, all right, I always want to have like a like a bullet in the tank, and, and D Rose is that bullet. Or it's like I, I need my I need my security blanket out there. And for whatever reason, it's Alfred Payton. I, I think from what people have told me and like what people we've had on have talked about, it seems like he just loves that physically. Like like if you're like as, like if you're an offense and you're trying to find the weak link in a defense that you don't have that from a strength and size perspective. And that's I think that's what Elf, for all the time he falls asleep on defense, like you can't bully him in the same way you could potentially bully quickly. Now, I, I don't get why that would um, supersede starting Rose, because Rose does not have that problem. And Rose has been, shockingly, I mean, was, we all saw in that Lakers game, really, really good defensively, certainly by his standards and by his age. Um, but I, I just think, Peyton feels essential to Tibbs because of that. And I think the atmosphere of the playoffs where teams match up hunt more aggressively than they do in the regular season. And they try and find weak links and they try and find the rookie out there, whether it's quickly or top. And you're going to see plays designed specifically to get quickly or top and on an Island against another team's best player. And look quickly at this point, he's smart enough. He's savvy enough. Maybe it doesn't go so well for another team. We saw Obi um, inexplicably lock up and block Chris Paul the other day. So maybe maybe those guys will hold up, but I, I think every instinct in Tibbs's body is going to say trust um, trust Elf in that scenario. Now, why is that Frank, who's a much much better defender, beats me? Yeah. I can't tell you. I, I think it's because that Peyton gets into the lane offensively, and that's that's another one of Tibbs's bugaboos. But Alex, I, I don't know about you. To me, this this just feels all about what makes Tom Thibodeau comfortable. And and the lesson we've got all season is that's Alfred Peyton. I, I think instead of changing in the playoffs, I just think he'll double down on that. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way, too. Uh, I do think that he might make the change as far as starting, uh, you know, Elf versus starting Rose. If 
if the Knicks really get their butts handed to them in one game, and it's primarily due to the first seven minutes or so, you know, Elf doing his Elf thing and and kind of mailing it in and and dogging it on defense a bit and all that. I, I do think that there's a, a chance, maybe not a great chance, but a chance that, uh, you know, Elf ends up getting the hook and not starting. And, and you know, Tibbs just kind of saying, you know what, I'm going to roll with, with Derek Rose as my starter. Hopefully you're fully healthy by then. And I think he'll feel confident enough to give quickly some minutes. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't think quickly is going to be out of the rotation or something, but also he's proven that, you know, he's totally cool with having Alec Burks play point guard for stretches. So I, I do think there's a chance that once Burks and quickly are back, which neither of them has particularly crazy ailments, they're both, you know, uh, seemingly on the verge of returning Burks probably tonight quickly, maybe by the weekend. Um, you know, as long as those two are healthy, I think there's a chance, however slim that maybe Elf finally loses his job, uh, right going into the playoffs. But I, I don't know. <laughs> it would surprise me at this point. You know, I, I want it to happen. I think it might happen. Uh, but I just, I don't know for sure if it's going to, because I think we've been saying for, for basically most of the season now at this point, like, oh, this is it. This is the moment that's finally going to get Tibbs to to go away from Elf. But as as Gavin said, you know, it's just to, his security blanket for whatever reason is Elf, you know, of starting him. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but, but, it, but it if is. he does, <laughs> yeah. But if, he, if he, so, so if he, when do you expect him to play throughout the game? Oh, if, if he's not starting? Yeah. Um, I I feel like it's kind of an all or nothing proposition at this point. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I, I seem to think that too. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of think yeah. if he's not starting, he's not playing because yeah. Tibbs, ha- as of right now, has him start the game and never has him finish halves anymore. Mm. Um, it's always Rose at this point. Yeah. So if he's not starting and getting those minutes, clearly Tibbs, for whatever reason, trusts him enough to start, but not enough to finish. So if he's not starting, then, you know, maybe he would play him for those in-between stretches. But I also think he really loves the dynamic of, like, like Quickly and Burks and Toppin and those guys kind of coming off the bench now. So, you know, Tibbs might look at that from the perspective. Of, I mean, you got to remember this is the guy that was doing, you know, basically five-man platoon swaps earlier in the year. So maybe he, he then looks at that and says, well, you know, if I'm not going to have him starting, I don't really want him to come off the bench either and potentially ruin the bench chemistry. So, yeah, yeah. you know, he might just get the ax altogether. I guess there's mm-hmm. no way to know for sure. I, I certainly can't separate my hopefulness from what I want in this situation or like what I want from what I think is going to happen in this situation to some degree either. Because I, I really just don't want him playing anymore. And so I, I think that my brain, even, you know, even the, the rational part of my brain defaults to like, oh, he's probably gone. But I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but I, I certainly hope it would be. Yeah, I, I'm seeing some conversation in the chat about if you were to totally like perfect world for all of us, um, excise elf from the rotation, what is it? look like and who's the starter and th- those are debates we we've had on the pod before i i was initially team burks i think i've come around to the idea that you want a little bit more of an organizing principle offensively with a point guard out there so maybe it's that you start rose and you just you pull him early and you bring in quickly maybe for the final few minutes with the starters and then you bring rose back with the bench and, and i have a feeling we're going to see e- even with burks back i think we're going to see more 
RJ with the bench units just because I, I mean unless unless Burks is really cooking and he's he's kind of in that form when he when he ripped off all those twenty point games in a row. I, I think Tibbs is going to want to go full games with RJ with one of Randall or RJ on the floor at all times, and I, I would I would bank on that being what we see. And I, I think with Rose, I'm, I'm interested to see these once. Obviously, once the Knicks have quickly and Burks back, all of a sudden there's not really a depth issue anymore. There's no obvious need to play Derrick Rose 35 minutes a game. But this kind of gets back to what I was saying last answer. I'm, I'm curious to see. Does he trust quickly in big moments, even in games where quickly is playing well? Or, or does he have that security blanket mentality that, that might not be wrong and just saying, look, I, I, want, I want Derek out there 35 minutes a night, no matter what. So that, that, that's going to be pretty interesting to me. Yeah. Um, but, Dean, I, I think we got a few other people in line to come up. So um, did you have anything you want to promote or anything, like your Twitter or anything, before we, we send you off? No, not at all. Thanks, Alex. Uh, Thanks, Gavin. Have a great day, everyone. And go Knicks. Thanks yeah. so much, Dean. And Thanks, again, really so cool, man. Appreciate your support from literally halfway across the world. That's so awesome. Thank you. Yeah, man. And, and enjoy the winter out there. We'll see you soon. We'll talk to you. <laughs> All right. All right. That's it for the first part of this Locked On Knicks Fan Friday locker room conversation. We have a second part coming your way maybe later today, maybe first thing tomorrow morning. Something along those lines, but there will be another part in your feed soon, so keep your eyes and ears out for that. But for now, uh, this has been the first part of Locked on Knicks Fan Friday. I'm Alex Wolf, he's Gavin Shaw, and we'll be talking to you all very soon. Peace out.